Hi there, folks, and welcome or welcome back to Nippon Trading International's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again, and this podcast is brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis of realestate.jp. He's a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families who are looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian, he's been living here in Japan for over two decades now, and for about half of that time he's been buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in Tokyo on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So he's got dedicated loan officers in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts Panel Sessions which means that you're already aware of the fact that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan, and in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area, and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, Drop him a line on sales at realestate.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right, so it's that time of the year again. Actually, it's been the time of the year for a while now. We're just in the process of closing down the first quarter of 2023. And we here at NTI have just released our annual market summary. More than a bit late, our apologies. We have been going through some necessary growth-related uh, staffing and rental lease and, and restructuring issues, but we're now hopefully back on track or at least getting there. So what have we seen in 2022? A lot of resiliency, actually. Prices have held steady or trended slightly upwards, even in um, almost all major metropolitan centers. So foreign incoming capital increased by about 11% as of the first three quarters of 2022. Um, prices are rising, same as we've seen throughout the spread of the pandemic and definitely now on the tail end of it, if that's where we are. And this is probably because Japan is always perceived as a safe haven in times of global crisis, and that's held steady throughout the last three years as well. So aside from a few months of softer prices in early 2020, not much has changed in Japan price-wise. It's been business as usual since bottoming out about a decade ago. So prices of new condos in central Tokyo, as we've mentioned here on the podcast a bunch of times, are now officially past their 1990s uh, pre-bubble levels. Even though salaries, cost of living, and rents are still far lower than they were back then, and 2023 does seem like it's going to be more of the same. Uh, the borders are now open, COVID restrictions are almost entirely removed, uh, officially at least, and interest rates are as low as ever. So there's really no reason to expect anything different uh, from the market moving forward this year. But yes, the borders are open, so tourist numbers are on the up again, still far behind 2019. We're up to slightly over 4 million inbound arrivals 2022, um, compared with the historical 31 million back in 2019. That's still pretty low, but Japan is definitely trying to make up for lost time. However, it has been a bit too long for some, especially in the hospitality sector. 
there are quite a few distressed hospitality properties on the market, especially in more regional areas um, with three years of zero income, outstanding mortgage payments. Uh, a lot of sellers just can't afford to wait for tourism and business travel to get back to pre-pandemic levels. So that's led Hilton and Marriott, among some other opportunistic chains, to um, take the opportunity and expand into some non-metro locations on the cheap which they've done and are still doing. And that's a trend that the national government is all for. In fact, igniting interest in more rural tourism in Japan is one of the Department of Tourism's goals, since about 90% of the current tourist spend is historically centralized in the country's most popular 10 prefectures. So who knows, the pandemic might be a blessing in disguise in the sense that it might actually help some bigger players move into rural areas and try to lift the places up um, by the bootstraps kind of thing. So now on a more of a macroeconomy scale. So the government, again, the government seems to be determined to keep interest rates and government bond yields as low as possible for as long as possible, in contrast with other countries in the region, like Australia, for example, where borrowing costs are now at about 4%. And again, this pressure from the government seems to be doing the job. So overseas investment, again, rising by double digits, whereas in neighboring China, for instance, it actually dropped significantly. And this trend was further helped by the weakening yen and with people's hope that they can make some extra profits on the currency exchange when that trend reverses again. So then what about the pandemic trend of working from home? Well, similar to the rest of the world, a lot of people who can do prefer to work from home now and companies in Japan as well, some of them begrudgingly, obviously, but they are trying to accommodate staff if and when they can in the same way they've been doing in the last three years. So that means leasing smaller satellite offices near the suburbs where people live, finding other flexible arrangements for them. That's all still going on. Uh, Yahoo Japan, for instance, now boasts 90% remote work, they say, and they allow employees to log in from anywhere in Japan. And NTT as well, Japan's biggest telco, moved some of its head office functions to Gunma Prefecture and Kyoto. We interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo, and they offer a home-away-from-home home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, if that's still a thing, or if you just need somewhere quiet to get away from the world. They offer a variety of options for families, corporate relocations, or even if you're simply transitioning between homes in Tokyo. The properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They come with fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in. Fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know. They're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but longer term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly in a Japanese business hotel. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home, with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, etc. You definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profit, 
or a holiday home that you want to rent out when you're not using it via short-term stays, drop them a line today, see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth a visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at sales at realestate.jp. And now back to the podcast. So while Tokyo is not really losing in a significant population just yet, the trend of relocating to smaller cities, which has started during the pandemic, doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And we're probably going to see that reflected in the next uh, population census results in 2025, when we will actually see what the years of the pandemic have done to these migration trends domestically. Um, According to a recent trend, though, just under 30% of employment in Japan is now conducted remotely, and 80% of those who were interviewed um, did survey saying that they wish to continue this working style. So teleworking is definitely here to stay in Japan as well, with all that that entails. So the stuff that we've been discussing in the last three years, larger home office, um, bigger floor plans, more infrastructures in smaller suburbs and towns to enable work from home. And who knows, hopefully maybe even some rural rejuvenation. We'll see how that goes. Now, other developments from last year. The Ministry of Land and Infrastructures has announced some significant tax breaks for mortgages and gift slash inheritance tax, which were levied on personal homes. And that is hopefully going to encourage more families to buy their first homes, particularly the ones with middle class incomes, and maybe stimulate residential investments a little bit, improve the quality of housing stock. We'll see how that one plays out as well, but definitely an interesting initiative. On the residential front, uh, super strong demand from foreign institutional investors who have now priced out uh, local REITs, apparently, Japanese real estate investment trusts. The old um, Tokyo and Osaka yields are good enough for us mantra still holds true for institutional investors. So again, things are looking good for this sector as well in 2023. The Bank of Japan's April announcement of the coming year's economic policy is of interest, um, as is the progress of the recovering tourist industry, which we've mentioned. But all in all, plenty of good opportunities to be had in Japan, similar to previous years. And as usual, diversifying any portfolio with some safe and stable assets that are also geographical hedge, never a bad idea for anyone. And Japan does tick most of these boxes for a large number of buyers and will most likely continue to do that. Okay, so a bit about the sources of information that went into this summary. As always, we stand on the shoulders of giants here at NTI. We've compiled data from Nikkei Asia, PricewaterhouseCoopers, and the Urban Land Institute, uh, Savills, Knight Frank, Rakumachi, Petasol Research Institute, government publications, uh, you name it. And of course, our own experiences throughout the last year and the beginning of this year. Hope you found some value in this bird's eye kind of snapshot of the market. Also, this is a good time to let you know that yours truly will be abandoning you for a few short weeks. I am excitedly, ecstatically even, uh, taking off on my uh, annual, now postponed for three annual holidays, which I've been dying for the past three years. So while the idea of recording a podcast episode for you um, on the beach uh, or in my hotel room instead of lying on the beach drinking a Mai Tai. Um, The idea is kind of appealing, but it's really not. So I'll probably be away from most of April. Apologies in advance. The podcast will be back as soon as I am, though, I promise, maybe a few days later. So I will see you again very, very soon.
Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis, or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa, and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company, and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com. And he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku! Yoroshiku!